0: Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this Advocate Session episode of the Aquademia Podcast, where we take 10 with the responsible seafood advocate. I am joined, as always, by the editor of The Advocate, Jamie Wright. How's it going, Jamie? It's going well, Sean. Thanks. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, glad to be back in the studio with you, as always. Always a good time. And excited to talk about some stuff in the Advocate. So let's get right into it. What is going on in Utah?
1: Well, we're going to put that to the test. I'm not so sure you're excited about the subjects. So. <laughs> well,
0: I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to do these episodes. We we had a nice long discussion about the topic of this, and, and I, had how, get, I
1: had to get you ready. I had to yeah. get you mentally ready for this because big news this week uh, came out of Utah. Yeah, uh, you're right. Dramatic pause. Yes, Utah. That's in the U.S., by the way. (laughs) It is in the United States for everyone that doesn't know. Um, I I, I believe I went on a long rant rant about on this podcast once before about Artemia, uh, one of our time machine bits. Sea monkeys. Uh, These tiny brine shrimps are absolutely critical to global aquaculture, uh, in particular uh, shrimp farming, uh, because these little creatures are the the best live feed, in some cases the only live feed that larval shrimp uh, can eat. They're really they're the baseline of the food chain. They really are. And they rec- it's a very brief but crucial life stage in the you know the development of shrimp when this is all they can eat. The industry consumes about 3,000 metric tons <laughs> of artemia <laughs> a year, which is about 30 times what it did in the 80s. Uh, now, just for a little context for those who don't know, brine shrimp, artemia, franciscano, they're very tiny shrimp-like crustaceans. They live in hyper saline lake environments like the great salt lake they're vital to the lake's ecosystem they're a food source for birds and they provide income for fishermen but they are you know if you were to look at them you wouldn't know that this is a fishery because to the untrained eye they look like grains of sand looks like pollen almost yeah they're they're magic powder yeah um they measure 250 to 300 microns each so it's about you know they're, that's pretty small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so small, there's not yeah. really anything to compare I, I to. really don't. <laughs> uh, so um, about a quarter million artemia together weigh about a gram. So, you know, they live in this, what I'm, I'm fascinated with them. I just think they're the most fascinating creatures. Like they live in this near dormant state, can exist in a, these spherical cysts for decades, hundreds of years even. Um, so the big news this week is they earned MSC, the, the fishery in the Great Salt Lake earned marine stewardship Council Certification for Sustainable Fishing Practices. You know, I, I, I've long worried that Artemia, you know, which can only be found in Salt Lakes, like Great Salt Lake and others in China and Russia, they're in such maybe limited or finite supply that the growth curve of aquaculture was therefore at risk. Uh, that, you know, this potential live feed and that could really be harmful. Well, um, so this, this, this body of water in Utah is the most productive Artemia fishery in the world. So. It's to see that it's been deemed, you know, a responsible fishery in the eyes of MSCs. I think it's a really big deal. Yeah, uh, and I fear that few outside of this little upstream side of production world that we live in, uh, and then we cover, they, they rarely hear about this or care about it. But listeners, trust me, this is great news. It's also the first U.S. inland fishery to earn MSC certification, which is also noteworthy. Yeah,
0: super fascinating.
1: We're gonna talk a little bit more about
0: yeah some
1: stuff down down. Uh,
0: down the line, but I want to talk about what's on deck before we go in the wayback machine.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, n- next week we, we you know, next next few weeks we really have a lot of fishing features. Yeah, you um, gave you gave us in our private meeting here a little preview <laughs> of kind of the stuff that's coming up. It sounds yeah, exciting. a lot. I mean, it's just kind of the way it happens. You know, we not we'd love to do it every other week, but next week we have this really interesting look from Bonnie um, at what's happening or about to happen in Japan, where uh, the radioactive water stored after the Fukushima. Nuclear power plant disaster back in 2011. That's they're scheduled to release that into the water. Um, it could happen in the next few weeks. There's really no clear timeline of when this will happen. But you know, the fishermen in in this area, they're long known for their flounder fishery. They're clearly worried about the impacts yeah. on the ecosystem, but also the fear that this Fukushima origin label, you know might be repellent to consumers, which is, it, this, isn't exi- yeah, I get that. this is not an existential threat to them. Yeah, for sure. So Bonnie uh, Waycott, a longtime contributor here, she takes a, uh, an in-depth look at the issue, captures both sides of the issue, the Japanese government and TEPCO, this uh, Tokyo Electric Power Company. All the other state agencies, they all say the impacts are going to be negligible and that this ocean release, which has been, quote-unquote, done for decades, is the most cost-efficient way um, other ideas are like evaporation, like heating the water, uh, radioactive decay, bioremediation, re- storing the water in these earthquake-proof tanks is very expensive, so they, they can't continue to do that. You know, I've even looked around at this issue online, and I found that they've been actually farming some flounder in this water. Oh, really? To see if it's safe, Yeah. So b- look for this story in next week's issue and look for even more fishing fishy, uh, <laughs> fishing features, fishing, fishing, fishing uh, fisheries features. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, we have, you know, interesting look at bycatch reduction technology coming up, uh, as well as a really interesting examination of this dynamic between offshore wind energy and fishing, you know, the big turbines and mm-hmm. fishing grounds. There's a, there's a. Yeah. I'm excited to read about that. There's a battleground brewing right nearby yeah. in off the coast of New England. Yeah. Good stuff. But we gotta keep talking about Artemia. We do. This okay. is a very Artemia-centric. I do. I we just love them. Um. So we're we're going back. This we're in the time machine now. We're going to go back. Actually, we're going to go forward really quick. Next week, I'll be in London for the Blue Food Innovation Summit. They have a great agenda. I'm going to be meeting Bonnie for the first time ever. We're oh, there you with go, Bonnie, for a long, long time. Uh, but uh, going back in time, we're going to go back to the uh beginning. Just can't get enough of Artemia. No, uh, this man gentleman named Craig Browdy. He, uh, if, if you're in a room full of aquaculture geeks, he wouldn't need an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's a longtime director of R&D for Ziegler Brothers in Pennsylvania, probably one of the most influential shrimp feed companies in the world. So back in 2017, uh, Dr. Brody wrote an, inter- an in-depth piece for us about a potential Artemia bottleneck, which I actually followed up on myself a few years later. But Bro- Brody... Brody, I think is the correct pronunciation. He wrote about artemia alternatives. So, like finding new, you know, new products that shrimp mm-hmm. can eat besides this. And this has been one of one of the more difficult challenges for hatchery operators over the years. I mean, as nutritious as artemia is for larval shrimp, they're also a potential disease vector and yeah. bio biosecurity concerns. So uh, you know, they've long been looking into artificial and in, in, or synthetic. Replacements to offer a consistent nutritional profile, consistent availability and quality, and you know, pu- in, in, you know, pose fewer variable costs to hatcheries. So, um, the links to his stories are up on the show notes, yep, as sure. well as some of the, uh, the work that I've done in looking at this issue myself. Um, and one of the, another story that's in the links is a, a promising alternative is algae, uh, microalgae. So, I spoke with a greenhouse company a few years ago in Belgium. Uh, about they were developing a shrimp feed product from freeze dried my- microalgae mm-hmm. or diatoms. So that's another option. But you know the shrimp really love the artemia. Yeah, as do I. So <laughs> well, it's 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 very fatty. It's like feeding them mm-hmm. twinkies, kind of. You know, they from their perspective. <laughs> I and mean, you know they have various. You know, they're just the physics of it. They're very small mouths at that time. They can really can't eat a pelletized food or right. anything like that. So mm-hmm. this is this is one of those holy grail type of things. Looking for shrimp farmers were always looking for this the next Artemia replacement, yeah, but, um, nothing like the original.
0: No, that's for sure.
1: Uh, and we know that I have
0: a lot of experience <laughs> yeah. with, with Artemia. Uh, a was, lot, a
1: lot of dark experience. Not yeah.
0: <laughs> if you want to hear more about that, uh, I don't know. Send me an email. Um, anything else that you want to get out there uh, while while we
1: have you today? No, we're good. We're just glad the, the spring is finally here. And, yeah. Although you wouldn't know, even before. though it was freezing temperatures <laughs> yeah, yeah. last night, we had a frost in, yeah. in Maine. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. All right. Well, remember,
0: all of these articles are linked in the show notes, so you can check them all out, except for the ones that are upcoming. But. Yep. Um, if you're looking you know next week i'm sure that you'll be able to find them pretty easy so. so uh thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time